doesn't work through the gospel. Has, always has been, always will be until he returns. And what we're studying this year is this gospel. It's, the word literally means good news. And we're doing this study in four letters, good news in four letters. And right now we're in Galatians. And I, I want to remind you again how important it is that you know what your good news is. Everybody in this room has a gospel, a gospel. It may not be the gospel, but it's a gospel. Everyone here, everyone alive today has something that they believe in that is right and true. And, and if you've not been here, here's something, a, a truism that we've been holding to. The gospel you believe determines the life that you live. What you think is good and right and best is gonna determine your actions, how you feel and what you do. So it's crucial that you know what your gospel is. Now the gospel of the Bible, it, it, is, it is simple, but it's powerful. What is the gospel of the Bible? It, it's the gospel is the power of God it, and it saves, to save us from the punishment and the power of sin so that we have peace with God, peace within, peace with others. This is the power of God. This is what he did in the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. And, and what we're seeking to do in this series is, is to learn how to experience the gospel. We're talking about experiencing the gospel. To experience something is to have your head, your heart, and your hands engaged. It's not enough to have mental assent. It's not enough to, to feel something, to, to have an emotional experience. And it's not enough just to do the stuff that, that, that we're taught or, or told to do. It's got to come from the heart. And the heart is moved by what we believe in our head. So it's head, heart, hands. Now this morning we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. If you got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 16. We're going to work our way to the end of, of the text. And we're studying Galatians as we're talking about this experiencing of the gospel because the Galatians and the early church itself was plagued with a false gospel. There have been many false gospels. There are many false gospels in the world today. There was a false gospel that was being uh, proclaimed at that time to the church. It basically said, you have to behave, behave like a Jew before you can be saved. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the scripture under with the writing of Paul is teaching that's not true at all. We must repent and believe the gospel to be saved, period. It's by faith. And so he's instructing the church in Galatia, these churches, I should say, and how this is to happen. Now today, the section of scripture we're going to look at is, is we're going to learn how it is we can be a people who are experiencing the spirit. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit does many things. Just a quick overview, just a few things. Um, here are five things he does. Regeneration, John uh, 3, 5. Conviction, John 16, 8. Sealing, uh, Ephesians 1, 13. We're going to talk about that next month. Sanctification, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. And then guidance, uh, John 16, 13, which we're going to mention today. Friends, it's important that we know what he does. It's also just as important that we experience what he does. Listen, I, I can read the ingredients on M&Ms all day long, but there's nothing like putting those little boogers in your mouth, right? There's nothing like the taste. And so it is with the Spirit of God. You can read all you want to about, about the theological. And again, it's very important, but there's something else to experience him, to experience what he's about. And, and if we're honest, among Baptist churches, we've not done a good job of honoring him. Truth be told, some of you will know this, this, uh, this analogy. Um, if you do, it just means you're probably old. He, many Baptists, we treat him as the cousin it of the Trinity. You guys remember cousin it, that, that undefinable thing? And, and let me just tell you, 
The Holy Spirit, he is a person. He is a person. Uh, let me read this again. I, this is our Articles of Faith, and this should not be dead orthodoxy. This should be stirring to your heart if you believe. We believe in the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of God, a fully divine person, not merely a spiritual essence or power. He inspired the scriptures, enables men to understand truth, and exalts Christ. He convicts men of sin, regenerates the heart to believe, and is the means by which the believer is sealed until the day of final redemption. Every believer fully receives or is baptized with the Holy Spirit at the moment of regeneration. He then dwells within believers to develop the fruit of Christ-like character and holiness, to guide, to assure, to comfort, and to intercede for them. He empowers them for life and mission and equips them to serve God through the church by spiritual gifts. So again, friends, these things, these are things we're to experience. These are not merely things to know. These are things to have as, as aspects of our life. And that's what our text helps us to, to know. To, and I hope that you'll get that today. So we're in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Madison's going to come and read for us verses 22 through 26. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to study 16 through 26. But Madison's going to read a, a pretty popular, pretty famous portion uh, of our text today, beginning in verse 22. Madison, read that for us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Madison. If you would go ahead and be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. <clears throat> when thinking about how I understand the Holy Spirit, um, one of the ways that this has helped me is by way of comparison. And, and I, I like to think of, it, of him and his work as the difference between rowing and sailing. The difference between rowing and sailing. Uh, you know, when, when, you're, when you're rowing, you're doing hard work. Uh, you know, it's, it's not like it's easy. I mean, what, what these folks are able to do. So I think we got a, a little video of what that looks like. I mean, th those are not slackers, right? They don't need a lot of M&Ms. Or if they do, they burn through them pretty quick, right? I mean, these, these people are strong and there's a rhythm to it and there's, there's certainly a form to it. And so rowing is, is hard work, but, but, but sailing may be even more difficult because sailing, it's, it's not only hard work, but it takes skill. And so you, you look at these folks who are sailing, look at what they're doing here. I mean, they're getting those sails to where they can catch that wind. You know, they're not sitting on their hands you know, smoking them if they've got them. I mean, these folks are engaged. They're, they're busy. There's a lot going on. And, and so to me, life in the Holy Spirit, it's not like rowing. It's, it's like sailing. What, what do rowers do? Rowers are dependent upon their exertion. They grind it out. And that's what these false teachers in, in the Galatian churches were telling those believers to do. Hey, grind it out. It's all up to you. You got to do it. And, and again, there's a lot of people who, who 
claim to be Christians who, who have a, a life that they claim to be in Christ. And, and it's not spirit led. They're just rowing. They're just going through the motion. And it's hard work. Don't get me wrong. But, but it's not spirit led. When, when, when we're spirit-led, it's, it's like sailing. And sailors are dependent on, on their skill and the wind. And, and so what the, the Bible teaches us to do is to utilize the skills taught to us in Scripture so that we align our lives in such a way that the Spirit of God is moving and we are in tandem with the Spirit, being moved by the Spirit. Now it's hard work to set your sail to the Spirit. It's hard work to get in alignment with the Spirit. You can't just float there. You got to get there. And so what we're called to do is not passive. So as, you're, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, don't think that this is some passive activity. No, my friends, no. This is an active work. And so there's, there's four things that happen when we're experiencing the Spirit that, that I think that we can see in our text today. So write down and remember these. The first one is this. Experiencing the Spirit causes a fight. It causes a fight. You know, to be in a relationship with someone, to be walking with someone, it changes the, the, the way you experience life. And see, the flesh that we live in, we all are still, those of us who are redeemed in Christ, born again believers, spirit-filled, we're still in the flesh. And the desires of the flesh are always battling against the work of the spirit. And so we need to be ready for that fight. And we need to know how to fight. So let's look at verse 16. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The spirit calls us to live in a relationship with him, to live in dependence upon him. And there's always going to be a battle. I underlined this in my Bible in verse 17. It says, these are opposed to each other. There is opposition. There is a fight that is always occurring in the life of a born again believer, spirit filled believer and the flesh. See, to walk in the spirit is to gain direction and empowerment from the Holy Spirit so that, and I so appreciate the way what he says here, so that we do the things you want to do. All of us want to do what's best. And what is best? What, what is best is to live a life that has no regrets. That's a life that has peace with God. No one wants to look back on their life and regret the way they lived. When you're living a life that's at peace with God, according to, to what God has called you to, to do and to be, there's a peace with him. And in the midst of that, having this peace with God, living, living out in, in his ways, we're able to accomplish his perfect plan. What's really hard is to be in a, in a tough spot and not know it's God's will. You know what is, is easier? I'm not saying it's easy. You know what's easier is to be in a tough spot and to know God put me right here right now. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to be in a marriage and it be tough and you think, is this, is this really where God wants me? Let me tell you, if you're married, that is where God wants you, all right? And he wants you to stay there. If you're in a job, you're in that job right now, you say, this is, a, this is a tough spot. Here's what you can know, that God led you there. He may not, he may not keep you in that job. He's going to keep you in that marriage if you're going to honor him. But, but what we need to know is when we are in a place where we have peace with God, 
because we've been led by God and we're living out in obedience to his word. We have peace within no matter what our circumstances are. And because we have peace with God and peace with them, no matter how people are treating us, no matter what they may be saying or not saying, we can have peace with others because we can have the confidence that God put them there for a reason and we can choose to love them. We can choose to forgive them no matter how they may treat us. And that's life in the spirit. That's the best life. But you know, the flesh is always, is always battling that. The flesh is always trying to tempt us to have it our way, always tempting us to hold a grudge, always tempting us to quit, always tempting us to get away from what God commands and what God desires, which is best. And so we've got to always be mindful of this battle that's going on and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do, to direct us, to empower us. And he does that not by rule keeping, but by relationships. So many people have a, 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 an interaction with God that's based on rules and not relationship. The New Testament teaches that we are to have a relationship with God. See, when you're in a relationship with, with, with a person, if you're in a relationship in a healthy marriage, you want to be with that person. You want to talk to that person. You want to help that person. You want that person to help you. Listen, you're not in a good marriage if you wake up each morning and say, well, I guess I got to be with you today. I guess I better talk to you today. You're in the room. I guess, I guess, you know, I guess I'll help you. I guess, if that's what I have to do. That, that, that's not healthy. That's not helpful. That, that, that's not the way God designed it. God designed it for us to say, hey, I choose to love you. And, and I, I want to be with you. And I want your help. And I want to help you. And I want to go in the, on this journey with you. And that's what God calls us to with the Holy Spirit is to go on a journey with him. And, to, and, and again, look back at this phrasing here. Walk by the Spirit. Walk. It is a walk. It is a relationship. We're with Him. He's leading, but we're walking with Him. And this walk, as we continue to continue to take those steps, it becomes a style, a lifestyle. Second thing to write down and remember, experiencing the Spirit creates a lifestyle. Now look, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we're not gonna live out the way of the flesh as a way of life. Now we might stumble in our flesh, we might get tripped up, but it's not our way of life. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we're gonna live a life that honors the king. So look at verses 19 through 21. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, and don't, don't miss that word. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to take this, this list very seriously because hell is serious. When he says that, that those who live this kind of lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God, here's what he's saying. He's saying that they will inherit hell. Friends, we need to understand that, that what heaven and hell, what they are. Heaven is where we who love Jesus, who've been forgiven by Jesus, who live in Jesus, where when we die, we go to remain with him forever because he's alive in us. What is hell? 
Hell is a continuation, although under, under even worse circumstances, where a person who is living separate from Christ, under the wrath of God, goes and spends eternity under the wrath of God. Hell is not the absence of God. It is the presence of the wrath of God. And we need to take that very seriously. The Bible takes this very seriously. And that's why the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, uses this language, I warn you, as I warned before. And so we need to be warned that those of us who believe that, that this, this way of life is not our way of life, described in these verses, will you be tempted? Yes. Will you stumble? Probably. But it's not your way of life. You know, during the fast, I fasted from lunch, was not a real problem. I'd forgotten that I'd promised that I would fast from M&Ms. That was a problem. <laughs> and you know what's interesting? Like if you go to my office right now, I've got at any given moment, I've got approximately 10 pounds of M&Ms in my office. I don't think it's a problem. I think it's right. I don't know what's, what's wrong with you that you don't have 10 pounds of M&Ms in your life. But you know what's interesting? It's there in my office. And you know what? Didn't have a single problem with M&Ms in my office. You know why? My guard was up. I knew that there'd be a stumbling block. It helped that I put things on top of those canisters that I have to remove before I would get into them. I just call that wisdom. You know where I got tripped up? It's when I was out and about and someone who loved me said, hey man, there's some M&Ms. Didn't know I was on a fast. You know, you gotta, we're in the South. You gotta take what people give you. <laughs> it's just, you know, you can't be rude, you know? But what happened was I wasn't on my guard. And so what did I do? I, I, I stumbled. Friends, there's, there's, a, there's a difference between stumbling and, and a lifestyle. You know, you look at that list of, of, those, of those sins there in 19 through 21. You know, these works of the flesh are evident. And, and we all struggle in different ways. And there's some things on that list that, you, that you're sitting there thinking, that is not a serious problem for me. There are some things on that list, if you're honest, this is a real deal. This is a real challenge. You need to know what's going to trip you up. Um, Charlie and I go for a walk pretty regularly and there's a, there's a, there's a place where I kept getting tripped up and, and there, was, there was a little stomp and I stomped my toe and it hurt really bad and it even bruised and I was going to show you a picture but I'm not looking for, you know, people to feel sorry for me or anything but it hurt really bad. Still a little bit of sore if you want to pray for it but I know where that spot is now and you know what I typically do? is I avoid that part of the path. Now there are times when Charlie takes off through that path and I gotta go through it. But guess what I'm looking for? I'm looking for that thing that's gonna try to trip me up and hurt me. You know what we're called to do as spirit-led people? Look for the things that are gonna trip us up. Have a lifestyle, have a way of life that doesn't get tripped up. Be mindful of the things that are gonna trip you up and, and, and be willing to avoid those. And as you do, as you walk in the spirit, there's something that's gonna come out of your life. That's the third thing to write down and remember. Experiencing the spirit produces a fruit. And I, I don't wanna get caught up in the etymology, but it is a singular there. Fruit is, an, it, it is, and it, it's a singular down there. The fruit produced by the spirit, it's a character, so look at those things. Most of you have memorized those. Some of you can sing the song. Notice that those things are characteristics. Those are issues of character. And what they represent is the character of Jesus. 
And so what we who are led by the Spirit, those experiencing the Spirit are to produce is a life of Jesus. The fruit is Jesus. Now, rather than go through and look at what these words mean, I want to get to the, let's get to the technical. Let's get to the how-to. There are three things that you got to do if you're going to produce this fruit. Let me give you three words, okay? One, let me give you the three words together. Let me explain them. Abiding, cultivate, they're not on the screen. Abiding, cultivating, and killing. Abiding. What, what am I talking about here? This is what Jesus said in John 15. If you want to do a deeper study of the Holy Spirit, uh, two places, best place you can go, John 14 through 16 and Romans 8. Those are the, in my opinion, those are the two best places you can go in the Bible to understand the work of the Holy Spirit. So here's what Jesus said in John 15 verses 5 and 6. He said, I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, again, this threat of hell, thrown into the fire and burned. It's very real in the scriptures. So how is it that, that we are able to produce the fruit of Jesus? It's by abiding in Jesus. And what's the analogy here? It, it's, it, it's agricultural. M many of us have houses where we're going to have to, we're going to have to cut back our bushes here at some point. Mine are getting crazy. And here's what I know. I, I'm going to, I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut off certain branches. And you know what? Those branches are going to die. You know what? If I cut those branches off and lay them next to the base of that bush, you know, they're still going to die. They're not going to be fruitful. And so my point is this, some of you are churchgoers. And you're in proximity to Jesus, but you're not abiding in Jesus and you don't have life. The only way you can have the life of Christ is for you to abide in Jesus Christ, for him to be alive in you and you to be alive in him. And when he's alive in you, you begin to live like him. And so we must be abiding in Jesus, but then we must be cultivating the character of Jesus, cultivating the character. So Luke 13, I'm going to put up verse 8, but this is the, the back end of a parable. Let me read the parable to you, and then let me explain verse 8. Jesus said, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? Now, what did the vine dresser say? What did the servant say? He said, he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. What, what's he saying here? Three things. First of all, you got to give it time. To produce the fruit of the spirit takes time. When I was born again and I was saved, I had a, a violent mentality and a, and a foul mouth. Now, my heart became convicted. I felt guilt and shame like I had never had before once I was saved. I didn't know where these feelings were coming from. I later found they were the Holy Spirit of God. He was convicting me. But you know, it took a while for me to clean up my mouth. It took me a while not to want to fight everybody. It, it, it took some time. It takes time. But one of the things you got to do, and what he said was, I want to dig around it. What was he doing there? He was finding out what was wrong. He was looking to see if there was something that was sickening or contaminating the vine. 
And what we've got to do is that we've got to understand it's going to take time, but we also need to be mindful of the things that are sickening our souls, the sin that so sickens us. And we need to, we need to dig it around and we need to dig it out. And then the, notice the last thing he does is that he puts on manure. What's he doing? He's feeding it. He's providing nourishment. We must nourish our souls with the word of God and the people of God and the work of God. We talk about the disciples' life uh, and the disciples' life cross. You saw this back in August. We spent a month and a half talking about this. What does this look like? Well, at the heart of the cross is, is gathering for worship. The base is equipping the arms of the cross, they are connecting with a group, serving the church in the world and making disciples. When you are cultivating that kind of life, there is, you're positioning yourself to produce the fruit. The third word, killing. Killing the flesh with its, verse 24, killing the flesh with its passions and desires. It says in Romans 8, 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So how do you put, how do you put the deeds of the body to death? Let me give you three ways I do it. Three ways I see in the Bible. First of all, you starve it out. You want to kill sin? Starve it out of your life. Don't feed it. Don't, don't give it your time. Don't give it your energy. Don't feed it. Starve it out. Second thing, stab it. Stab your sin. Use the word of God. You guys remember a few weeks ago when I had that sword I was waving around up here? I threatened to bring it out again. Some of the kids in the early service thought it was a good idea. Get it. Not going to pull it out. But I do want to remind you that the word is a sword. Let me tell you how I yielded on my sin. And I want to encourage you to, to think about it this way. I asked myself a question. It's a very important question. What lie am I believing that's allowing me to sin? What lie am I believing that's allowing me to sin? See, the Bible will show me what lie I'm allowing myself to believe that's allowing me to sin. See, every time we sin, here's what we're doing. We're believing a lie. We are acting and thinking contrary to the truth of God's word. And what the word of God does, it cuts. We can stab that sin and we can say, what lie am I believing that allows me to think that this is okay for, for a born again, spirit filled believer? You got to starve it. You got to stab it. And then you got to seek help with accountability. Men, you need men in your life that know where you struggle. Ladies, you need other women in your life that know what your struggle in, with sin is. And you need to be able to confess your sin. You need to pray for one another about your sin. You need to be able to overcome men with men, women with women. That's why we're having this men's event this Wednesday, ladies next Tuesday, because we want to be killing sin. As John Owen said, John Owen, the great, what, the great Puritan, what did he say? Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Kill it. Kill it. Last thing. Experiencing the Spirit demands, and we changed the outline here. We wanted to be mindful again of this personal pronoun. We're not talking about an it, we're talking about a him. And so we're talking the fact that experiencing the Spirit demands his direction. His direction. 
The Holy Spirit is calling us to stay in line with him. He's guiding. He's calling out the cadence. When I was, uh, when I was uh, uh, in high school, I was a part of something, and I don't even know if they do it anymore. It's probably not even politically correct to do it anymore. It was, it was called Boys State. Boys State. And it was biological males, I know we have to say that these days, that, were, were, that went for a week and we acted out of government policy and practice. The first thing we did, the first three hours we were there, they taught us to march. They put us in units of like 50. And, and for three hours, they taught us how to get lined up and to march all over the campus. And there was somebody screaming, left, left, Left. Some of y'all know what that means. That means you step with your left, you step with then you step with your right. And we did this all week long. Now I will tell you, it was pretty cool every now and then to look up and see like 20 or 30 units all marching together. And this is the way we're supposed to live. Look at this, look at verse 25. This language here is very, very important. It says, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. I wanna show you a difference here. Go back to verse 16. It says there that we are to walk by the Spirit. That word, walk, and, and this word, keep in step, they are not the same word. This, this phrase that we're using here that's translated, keep in step with the Spirit, it is a single Greek word. I'm gonna put it on the screen for you. It's the word uh, stoics echo, stoics echo. Look what it means. To move in a line or row with others the picture is soldiers walking in a line in step with their commander. Jesus is our commander and the Holy Spirit is calling out the cadence. He's calling out how it is we are to walk, how we are to keep in step. Left, left. Now what is the left, 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 right, left? It's the word of God. We walk in accordance to the word of God. We keep in step with the spirit of God. And when we do, we won't do verse 26. So when we're walking in step with the Spirit, we won't, first of all, become conceited. Friends, it's impossible to be a Christian and be conceited. Christians should be, if they're in their right minds, the most humble people on the planet. It's often the reason why we're criticized, by the way, because there are those outside the church say, why, why do y'all have sinners? Why do y'all have messed up people? Just a heads up. It's rules for getting in. You have to admit you are. So if you're a person who says, hey, I'm perfect. I don't, I, don't, I don't ever sin. You can't be a member of our church and you can take your lying self to some other church where they'll lie to you. That, ain't, that, ain't, that is not right. Don't leave, by the way. You, just stop lying to yourself, all right? So what, what, what happens there is, is that, is that we, we understand that we're not saved because we're good. We're saved by God's grace. We understand that God's design was harmony, it was perfection, but we live in a world of brokenness and we cause brokenness, why? Because we sin. But the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus Christ came to die for that sin. And so now he has, he has won the victory over the power and punishment of sin so that we are free to pursue and recover God's design, not because we're strong, but because Jesus is. Not because we're smart, but because Jesus is. Not because we've, we've been able to overcome and pay for our sin, but because Jesus has. So we have no, we have no place for conceit. We have no place for arrogance. We, we have no place for it. The other thing we don't do is by provoking one another. 
We don't stand in condemnation over everyone else, telling everybody else what they ought to do. There is nothing worse than doing your best and having someone tell you what you ought to do. You know, if you're, if you're on a diet right now and it's going well for you, great. I don't care. Don't tell me about it. I love you. I love you with all the Jesus in my heart. I don't care. I'm going to eat M&Ms and I'm going to do my best, all right? Now, if you're in my men's group and you got something to say, I'm listening, but not really. What we need to understand is, is that there's, there's no place for provoking. There's no place for always being in other people's business. Look, I, we've got enough in our men's group and in our lives. We don't need people provoking us. A friend of mine, I think his full-time job is sending me reels. And I die laughing at every single one of them. And so he sent me this one and I thought, this is exactly what the scripture's talking about. Look at what Gordon's having to deal with here. Watch this with me. Gordon, Gordon, man, hey, what you did? Gordon, Randall, just mind, get your paws out of here. Randall, just come, get through dirt in my face. Just mind your business, bro. I'm saying like if you use a shovel, well, look, man. You can just ease back, ease all the way back. Listen, listen, this. It's how I live, bro. I don't just listen, do Gordon, I've been burying bones. I can give you some tips. Oh, Lord, Father God, Randall, stop. Go find some business, man. Go get walked. That's what we need to tell the world. Go find your business and go get walked because what, what you're trying to tell me to do is not going to work. And what was happening in the church in Galatia is these worldly people were coming in and telling them, no, 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 you got to keep all these rules. We know what we're talking about. You need to do this on the eighth day. You need to have these kind of breaks. You need to go over and over. And, and the Holy Spirit saying, no, go get your business. Stop provoking everybody with junk that's not, that has nothing to do with what God is saying. What has God said? Walk in the Spirit. Keep in step with the spirit. It's not about keeping rules. It's not about doing better than everybody else. It's not about judging everybody else so that you're conceited. It's not about provoking and it's not about envying one another. And, and that's the third thing that, that you see here. And what happens is when you, when you are living out your standard or you're trying to live up to what the world has and says, here's what always happens. You're never content. Because someone always has it easier and someone always has more. And what does that produce? Envy. You know what the Christian is able to enjoy? Contentment. Because you know what we can know? We are where we are by the grace of God. It could be a whole lot worse. Could it be better? Maybe. But here's what I know for certain. Those who have walked with the Spirit of God are able to look back and see the hand of God that has been at work. And, and we can see the provision of God. And you know what that produces? Humility. It doesn't produce a, let me tell everybody else how great I am and how they should be like me attitude. And it doesn't produce envy. It, it, it produces humility, not conceit. I appreciate what John Newton said, and may we all be able to say this. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world, but still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Do you hear the humility and the contentment and the peace? That's what comes to a person who's keeping in step with the Spirit. 
They're not envious. They're not conceited. They're not calling out other people. There's peace, peace with God, peace within, peace with others. And here's what I know. Some of you don't have it. Some of you are religious people. Some of you are non-religious people. It does not matter. In either case, you're living on your own, self-dependent lives, and you're under the wrath of God. And you need to be forgiven. You need to be saved. You need to experience the gospel, freedom, salvation from the power and punishment of sin so that you can live in the spirit. Now, some of you are born again believers. Let me ask you, does what we looked at today, does that describe your life? I mean, just look at the fruits of the spirit. Look, look at those characteristics. Look at those sins that, that Paul warned about. Here's what I know about all of us. We're, we're battling the flesh if we're honest believers and we all need help. So I wanna encourage you today. That we're gonna have some leaders here at the front. If you're not in a men's group or a women's group, you need to talk to somebody, come talk to them. If you are in a men's group or a women's group, you need to talk with your group about your stuff and your sin. And we need to love each other and care for each other. And we need to be killing this stuff so that we can abide in Christ. Amen. Let's stand together as we pray. Care leaders, if you don't mind, come forward. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. You bring about transformation of life by your power, Holy Spirit. And, and it's to your glory. Lord, we know it happens by by what Christ has accomplished on the cross and his resurrection. So we're excited about celebrating that on Easter and we wanna be sharing that. But Lord, I know that there are some who've never experienced the salvation. And I pray that today they'll come and talk with the leader before they leave. Pray they'll go out to the hall, maybe go to Guest Connect and find someone that, could, that can talk with them and pray with them there. But Lord, there's, there's a lot of us here who just need to cry out, help. We need your help to be honest about where our struggle is, to be honest about where the stumble has happened. And we need to be in community to give help. So Lord, call us to, to what it is that you, you desire us to be. Bring glory to your name that we might be like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.